can talk about that a little later because I probably should say something. Okay. I mean, but we'll just we'll just leave it for later in the show. Ah, yes. For now, I have a very important question. What? Should I buy a uh, surplus Chinese Marine Corps jacket? No. No. The camouflage pattern is really fucking. I need cool. photo evidence, please. Okay. All right, but. This is a famously Remember, a visual medium, and I will describe what I am seeing. Thank you so much. Well, not only that, I have to look something up on my phone. So remember what we talked about before we started here. Do, 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 no, no, do, no. <laughs> you don't get to do the I Dream of Genie song and, and have it count as filling air. You have to speak. That was not the I Dream of Genie song. Thank you very much. Yes, it was. Do, 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 do. Anyway, I gotta anyway, look, okay. listen, do you want me to look up this uniform yes. or what? Can you do this faster, please? Do you not know how to use internet? Come on. Come on. You're distracting me because you're supposed to be filling air and Just instead you're talking at, at the me. fucking fo- You should be able to carry on a conversation and be typing in your left hand like a psychopath like I know how to do. No, I can't do that. I'm not a I'm not an internet person in that sense. I have to be entirely focused on posting or entirely focused on this conversation. So that's I'm going to go back to the phone that's now because I only got one word in the search bar Jesus before fuck. you distracted me. Oh, okay, well, welcome to Green and Lewis. This is another uh, astounding episode where... Um, bickering is easy and uh the talk is uh five dollars a month on uh, patreon and uh mostly it doesn't make sense is that is that a good synopsis i think that's i think that's fair why do you can i ask you a question will what why when you have to just talk on your own does it just suddenly become like frenetic jabbering <laughs> you you see you see you you're like you asked me to open the valve and the valve is pretty trashy right now so i understand but you know you could talk about your day like the sentences could be coherent they don't they don't have to devolve immediately into like really high pitched and sudden, <laughs> suddenly like you're speaking at t- the times 2 podcast speed are you, okay let's not just like listing off words you're like you're doing like an art can press you fucking release. google please thank okay, you so right, much hang on, i'm almost there before you tear into my uh my uh gay voice sounds of calling it frenetic pitch like as if i would be gay best friend on a call sheet oh i kind of do like that dude it's so sick it's only 60 bucks yeah it's cheap as don't shit. get the pants unless you turn them into shorts well here's the deal so Ooh, shorts i'm gonna reiterate this just because i feel like in your jabbering we might have lost the thread here i want to buy a uh, surplus chinese pla uh jacket this is the Chinese Marine Corps, and the color scheme is ocean version. Yeah, so it's it looks like this is not racisms, but it does look a little hokusai in the way that the pixelation is splashing all over the the white is splashing on the blue with the sandy bits. Well, and here's the thing: I did a deep dive on different types of camo today because, as you know, I already have a surplus military jacket, uh-huh. the standard sort of your flak stolen valor, yes, from the Iraq War, my stolen valor. Mm-hmm. But I have always liked the military surplus stuff, and I started looking at all the different nationalities and what they're up to. Uh-huh. Uh, so the thing is, the blue camo is really rare. You see that a lot in urban wear, like in the, the fashion sphere of like fake camo. Oh, like icy, the icy. Sure. Yeah. People will buy the white and gray or the like blue and white sort of. It's usually blue and black. Sure. Blue, black, and like a, a brown, not a brown, but navy and middle blue. Whatever. Yep. But you get what I'm saying is that in the fashion world, there's all sorts of color schemes. In the military world, you're mostly looking at green and sort of sandy colored. Yeah. So when something else comes along, I'm very interested. Now, the navy, our navy, the U.S. navy, they discontinued it, but uh-huh. for a time, they had a blue digital camouflage similar to that. Huh. Except that this Chinese one has a little bit of burnt sienna in there. Where? 
It, there's a little bit of brown. It's not quite burnt sienna. I don't know how to describe it. That is ochre. It. Maybe closer to f- ochre. Fine. Did you go to art school or no? no look, listen, I wasn't Fucking looking. Fucking ochre. At, I wasn't looking at the photo when I said that. Really, oh. you're you're being very hostile tonight. I know. Um, it's fun for me. Um, but so their digital camo scheme is a little bit different. Will will post a picture of this on the Instagram because it's oh. notoriously hard to talk about. But I saw that jacket and I was like, yo. That is sick because it looks like a fake color scheme jacket. Yeah. But it's completely authentic. Mm. And the Chinese, they have even better uniforms than we do. Their buttons are camouflage. Oh, I didn't see that. But I, I like the way that they mismatch the patterning on the pockets, which typically on camo things, you don't want it to be that abrupt because it, it when you have the aberration, your eye is drawn into attention to like, ooh, those shapes don't go together. Oh, kill right. him. You know, like, that's very strange. But on a boat, I mean, you kind of do want that because there are lots of different panels and stuff in ship holes and things. So, like, if you have weird panels, you don't know if it's person or not. Well, get this. So, I can't speak for the Chinese. I couldn't find a lot of information on the PLA. I don't okay. think the Chinese Communist Party is... What's uh, the PLA? The PLA is the People's Liberation Army. Oh. Uh, what a name. The Chinese are n- not that forthcoming about their military secrets, which is probably smart, you know. And also, like, I'm sure I could have found something in a Chinese language website, but I don't have the capability to read it. So anyway, I'm reading about the blue camouflage in the U.S. Navy, and mm-hmm. guess why they discontinued it? Blue dress, too much cum on it? Can Because you... <sighs> Sailor's Navy. going to move right past <laughs> that. Uh, no, they discontinued it because why do sailors on a boat need camouflage? That's question A. You don't need it. You should just wear gray. Historically, they've never had it. The only time the Navy wears camo is when they're doing land operations. So if Which, they, if, what are they doing off off the? Off well, the sometimes water? they they land things, or you have to work on a boat if it's in a dock. You know. Oh, so there sure. are reasons to have it, but then they just use the standard army kind of camouflage. Mm-hmm. But they decided, hey, it would be kind of fun if we just gave them blue camouflage because why not? It's the Navy, right? Yeah. And then they realized that what happens when you fall off a ship. It's really hard to see your yes. ass. Yes, so it became difficult to rescue sailors when they would fall overboard because the camouflage works in the water and not out of it. That's dumb. So I love the jacket for conceptual reasons, that it is very dumb. Mm-hmm. And it just looks fly as fuck. And if it's a cool-ass communist PLA jacket, it even signals something additional for the nerds out there. It does have a lot of white in it, though, which I do think like, if in the American sensibility it would be that like navy blue and black situation, that is very white. So like, I wonder if they have like reflective uh, material in the white, so that way if you did go overboard, someone could just uh, shine a searchlight on you and you would be like, boop! Yeah, maybe they do. I mean, I really have no idea. I mean, I think the Chinese are on top of it. You know. Yeah. Also, you know, based on their like situation with their factories, I don't think they're as hung up about losing personnel. Oh well. You yeah. know what I mean? I think if you fall overboard and you're a Chinese marine, like we're just steaming right right onto port. Sorry, guy. You're gonna, sorry, Shen. You're <laughs> maybe next time. You're gonna Jack Dawson him in the cold, cold waters oh, and leave yes. him on it. Oh wow, there's enough room on the door. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Their hearts will go on. I, well, that's where they're making the knockoff <laughs> necklaces over again. Anyway, that was bad. Um, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Anyway, well, we're off to a really uh, messy and disorganized start for an episode that's that, on brand. that we decided uh, has to be a pretty good and coherent one because uh, you're home at, as usual, at 11 p.m. from your 12-hour shift 11. at the shoe factory. <laughs> it's not 11 p.m. It's 9 Um 
you know. How many units did you produce today? Did they beat you at the end of the shift and withhold your wages? Did you get any company script or? Well, we we already discussed <laughs> off mic that uh, some of my money is being withheld yeah, by the U.S. Postal Service, but we can't really uh, talk about that. But it is true. The, uh, <laughs> the man is bringing you down the pretty man, hard. The man owes me around <laughs> six hundred bucks, so um, and plenty of vacation time. So we'll see about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, somebody call up uh, Karl Marx. We got a problem here. Any necromancers as yeah. <laughs> listeners of Green and Lewis? I have a question for you, sir. But, you know, so other than the man bringing you down, we we, we got to have a, a good episode today. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to have time to edit it. We got to post it right now, right when we're done. Okay. So, you so know. So it's like, it's like uh, one of those newsy movies where we have to go down to the deadline and make a decision on what we're going to run. We're, we are Meryl Streep going, run it, in that sad movie that was... Directed by Tom Hanks or produced by Tom oh, Hanks. Oh, yeah. Remember when the failing New York Times uh, saved the world? That's the movie that we're starring in, except it's a Green and Lewis episode. And, that, uh, that was the Washington Post, I thought. Whatever. Same difference. You know, democracy does die in darkness, you know. Mm-hmm. That's the worst tagline. No, I know. Is that a new tagline? Did they know. start doing that when Trump got elected? I think they I had think it for a did. long time. No, I don't know. I mean, it's very, like, Nike of them. Like it's a Nike tagline, and I'm like, what, 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 what fucking idiot millennial branding strategist sucked your dick to get you to run this? Because this is bad. Like it, it sounds scary. It seems like a thing like in in like Gotham. Yeah, that's what makes me feel like it was a Trump era innovation. Like I really doubt that the Washington Post subtitle in 1994 was "Democracy Dies in Darkness." I don't know though. You want to know when it probably got popped on there? Reagan know when jeff bezos bought it oh you think so it's a misdirect why would he oh interesting okay maybe maybe that's possible yeah but again that just sort of coincides with the same era yeah well. just a different motivation towards the same ends really like please don't look at us please don't look at our numbers please don't, please 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 don't ask about the money yeah isn't the deal with the washington post that it, it is owned by amazon but it is sort of run independently yes. like it's run by the same family and yeah. supposedly jeff bezos doesn't have any influence over it <laughs> sure i mean yeah whatever who cares, man? I don't read the news anymore. I'm I haven't. I, I have not read any newses in so long, so long. You know, I try every day. I open the New York Times just out of force of habit, and I look at the headline and then I close it. The only thing I'm interested in reading about right now is this war popping off between Armenia and Azerbaijan. That seems uh, vital and interesting. There's a, there's a whore. Yeah, there's a there's a real land war happening over uh, disputed territory. So there's territory that belongs to Azerbaijan that Armenians occupy and claim. It's sort of a Kosovo situation. But like, is there anything good there? Um, what are they fight? What are they actually fighting over? It's a beautiful region in the Caucasus. I mean, what they're fighting over is like ethnic identity. Basically, it's a lot of Armenians that live in Azerbaijan that want to be. Uh, back in Armenia. Oh. But what they're really fighting for is uh, it's a proxy war between Turkey, Russia, and China, basically. Ooh, a fun one. And maybe some Middle Eastern states, too. Mm. With, uh, with, it's a, it's a weird dynamic, actually. I don't know. Maybe, what, are what, you interested in this? We can not talk about this. I mean, it's, uh, what was the thing that popped off in, like, March? When everything was shutting down, like, everyone in Europe was like, we're aligning with these people in this, but blah, 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 blah. Do you remember this? Well, I don't know. I mean, early in COVID, I don't think it was in March, maybe sometime in June, there was that border dispute between uh, India and China. Yeah, yeah. There's been a civil war in Libya that Since forever. people have been coming down on different sides of, obviously, the ongoing Didn't war. Didn't that in start Yemen. in 
2011 with the Arab Spring. I remember Libya being like, we're free. And then it's like, no, we're still fighting. Well, they, Fuck killed, you. they killed Gaddafi back then. Do you yeah. remember that when that crazy video came mm-hmm. out of like the mob finding him and they oh, yeah. sodomized him and killed him? It's whoa, very, whoa, it's whoa. very brutal. They did. Ooh. I'm not exaggerating. That or seems. That up. That seems like what is this a fucking frat house? Like what are we doing here, people? Yeah, but my understanding. I don't have the broom. Yeah. Damn. I don't know. I mean, they didn't like the guy. What can What can I say? <laughs> um, I don't know a ton about that one, but why I, can't we go back to El Duce? Get the piano wire, make it elegant. Yeah, that was pretty elegant. I mean, as far as like toppling a dictatorship goes, that was a pretty good way to do it's it. It's a good way to do it. It's a fairly uh clean thing, fairly painless. I'm gonna say maybe not. Piano wire is probably pretty well, sharp. and you leave him in the town square, and he's made an example of. Yeah, that's, that's real old school style. That's yeah. How we do. Now we just post gr- very graphic internet videos that are uncomfortable to watch. That look like they were shot on a fucking Samsung Galaxy S two. Well, they were well, probably. Yeah, probably. I mean, right. wh- what do you what do you think the cell phone situation is in Libya? It's not like they have the iPhone thirteen with iOS fourteen, and they're fucking oh, what, so WhatsApping each other uh, memojis. Untrue, actually. Over yonder, WhatsApp is is the key to the realm. No, I know. Or I know. Weibo. Weibo is the other one. Yes. You know about Weibo? Th- thank you for taking that comment 100% seriously, as if I'm not aware that people in other countries have iPhones. <laughs> they might not have iPhones, but they got the WhatsApp and the Weibos and the Whozits and the Whatsits. Mm. Well, speaking of Jewish accents, uh, the situation with <laughs> Armenia and Azerbaijan is very weird because Azerbaijan is Muslim. And Armenia is Christian. So you would imagine, right? It is? Yes. Huh. Um, famously so, Armenia. Really? Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to get to this in one yeah, second. Uh, so the, 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 the yeah. thing that's interesting about this is that a lot of, um, well, one of the states that's backing Azerbaijan, again, the Muslim country, is Israel. No. Now that's weird. Well, that's weird in and of itself, right? But you're like, no. hey, you can chalk it up to like whatever. People got to get on the right side of their proxy wars. You know, they have their power play interests. So you do some distasteful things every once in a while, right? Now get this: Armenia is the country that was genocided during the First World War. The first technological genocide. What do you mean? Wait, the what? Ottoman what? Turks. The Ottoman Turks during World War One. Uh, death marched and put into camps their Ar- Armenian minority populations. Oh. One of the reasons that mm-hmm. Armenia is a state today, much like Israel, is that it was the diaspora from this uh, Holocaust Ooh. that formed a country. Oh, okay, got it. And then they were absorbed like into the Soviet Union when that happened and afterwards became Armenia again. What's ironic about this is that Hitler based the Holocaust on the Armenian Genocide. So you have Israel aligning against uh, the country that their situation was based on. You would imagine well, if there was one line that Israel wouldn't cross, it would be that. But However... I don't want to get into a, a knockdown drag out about what is Israel as to non-Jews. I guess so. I mean, you know, people confuse anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism. Yeah. And I I would like to make people aware that there is a difference, and no, I'm not anti-Semitic. Although I do like doing the accent and pretending to pay less for things. That's fun. Okay, well. Oh, yeah, geez. I said I wasn't going to do it. Oh, well. Well, That's out the window now. Sorry. And it's only minute 15. I was going to say, are we even 15 minutes in? I can't can't really start over at this point. Nope. We have too much sunk cost. We're We're in a little too deep to start the episode over, so... Sorry, guys. Anyway, 
Well, you're the one that needs to talk if you don't want me to talk about <laughs> wars in the Middle East, man. I don't know what to tell you. How do I how do I cut you off when you're like, well, I think about anti. Uh, da, 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 da. You tried. I will. I did. You I was that. Like, you did try to give me. I an said outline. I don't think we should be talking. <laughs> and I only kind of took it. Yep. Nope. That uh, it, that's th- there's a okay it, end of extended bailout. <laughs> I, no, I mean like I did the unfortunate thing of offering you rope, and then you took enough to hang yourself with in the classic parlance. Yeah, I mean, if I was Mussolini, the piano wire would have been self-inflicted. You would have shoved your whole fucking head in a piano for <laughs> Christ's sake and been like, "I'm stuck." How? It's like you should be in like thirty-five different slices. Sir. You know, I've also been reading about the Italian elections of 1948. If you want to talk about that, I'd That's rather not. Very I, that sounds very boring. Okay, uh, what would you like to discuss? Well, <laughs> not that. <laughs> <laughs> Anything but that. Okay, what's on your mind? I'm genuinely curious because I've only been reading Wikipedia a lot, so I just have a lot. I have a lot of wars and uh, diatribes stacked up. But if you have something pressing, you know. I'm all ears. I don't have much pressing. I have nothing pressing, actually. Now you're doing the thing (laughs) that you promised not to do. Oh, going, (laughs) I actually have nothing. Which is just to say I have nothing to say. I mean, I, do I have any, I don't know. I mean, do you want to try and talk about the debate since we both watched yeah, it and we didn't really talk about it? Oh, by the way, we should mention this before we move on. We recorded a bonus episode this week, and it's up on the Patreon right now. It's our post-debate extravaganza where we didn't talk about the debate at all and told dirty stories from our childhood. Oh, great. There um, we go. So Sure. If I remember. I actually thought it was a pretty good episode. I remember some of it. Mm, um, well. Listen, Way to mi- sell it, man. The mind eraser juice had to work. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm charming for a little bit while I'm blackout drunk and then it turns eventually. Um, no, I mean, I, I've been more interested in people's reactions to debate time because a lot of it was a non-reaction. A lot of people are like, this is embarrassing. Like, even in the aftermath, there were people who are like, oh my God, New York Times. The, what was the havoc on the, what was the thing? What was the word? Oh, I don't remember the exact, there was an exact wording word. of it. It was like Trump, you know, Trump defiles debate by derailing it or whatever. The had everybody Hec- look up Trump hectoring, hectoring upends debate, and I'm like, listen, when you put two old, old senile men up on a stage and have them yell at each other and not know how to yes and, well, maybe not. I feel like Trump really shined as a. Uh, a student of the improvisational arts. <laughs> yeah. You know, the Del Close of it all was actually quite high in his his favor. But like we talked about this during in a in a more um calm or sober sense of like if you were going to put someone if you're gonna put two doddering old fools up in the public, wouldn't you give them some improv ideas? So like if you're gonna get slang in some shit from from Donnie, like uh, yeah We'll call, stand down, proud boy, stand down. Like you know that kind of shit. Like maybe just have a have a zinger, have a good zinger. Well, that's what they tried to do. But I, I think you're you're saying two things at once right now that don't make sense together. On one hand, you would imagine that they would just train Joe Biden for improv, which means you can't have any canned zingers. You have to be able to think on the fly. And you know I've been thinking about that since we discussed it. You would imagine they would train somebody mm-hmm. for this improvisation, right? But they might have tried to do that. It's just that Joe Biden can't do that. Yeah, not everybody can do that, and especially a man in his capacity right now is not quick on his feet. Yeah, so he just resorts to the thing that he sort of knows, which is canned debating, where you have zingers that you rehearse and that you say when the moment is right. 
Trump was smart in the sense that he never made there or allowed there to be a moment ever. His strategy was just to talk over. In that sense, it wasn't that good of a performance from Trump either, although the strategy was effective. Like, he's sort of better laying back and letting the, the Democrats hang themselves and then commenting on it. Like, when he delivered the iconic 2016 quip of because you would be in jail, he let Hillary Clinton have her two minutes, say what she wanted to say, and then just eviscerated her. In a single line. There was no reason to interrupt her. There was no reason to shout over her. He had to do that to Joe Biden because Joe Biden's just going to deliver these canned responses, right? Well. You can't riff on Biden. So you just no. have to uh, plow Railroad, over. yeah. yeah. Mm. But, like, I, I just wonder why, like, when people are like, would you shut up, man? Is, like, people are like, yes, King. I'm like, excuse me? This is well, what you're celebrating? That's so weak. It's like standing, like, someone's like, punching you in the arm and you're in second grade and you're like i need you to just stop it get your life together and it's like okay are you honestly seeing reactions that are like yes queening biden for these things yeah that was a thing on twitter people were like oh my god love it i don't maybe i don't really look at twitter unless there's an event going on so maybe i just haven't seen it people repost they take the screenshots and then they put it on the instagrams and then i go you know what i think i muted or stopped following all the people that do that to an annoying degree a long time ago. So I I don't know. I really haven't I really haven't seen a lot of debate specific support for Biden. I've seen a lot of standing for Biden that is depressing and pathetic in its own right, but it's more like general mm. because I don't think that any sane person could have watched that debate and stood up for either party really. Oh, no. But especially Joe I mean, if you're a Trump person, it was sort of classic Trump. It was a little overwrought and a little too aggressive, I think, even by his standards. But Biden, I mean, was pathetic. If if there really are people that are not Twitter people, I don't think these people count. Who cares? Mm. You know, it, it's something like 12% of the population is on Twitter and only like 0.5% of that Twitter user group makes most of the posts so you have to imagine that the entire universe of twitter adds up to exactly squat the amount of influence that it has over culture is ridiculous if we lost if we lost it off the face of the earth tomorrow it would be a better place that's not an original thought but it's true i don't like and that's a thing that i don't understand why people get like addicted to it in the same way that like instagram is pictures like maybe that's just a different brain space but i'm like ooh, i'll look at pictures all day long Give me all the pictures, please. Like, because I'm dumb and I'm like, oh, pictures. But like reading people's hot takes, zinger, like shitty zingers that they're workshopping in the public. I'm like, yeah, I could maybe not. Well, this is a problem that the debate just makes so clear. Because if you have a hot take on it in any way, or if you're standing one side or the other, you just look like a fucking moron right now. We did. I mean, I mean, remember, I- we did record a podcast about it. No, we didn't. I mean, we didn't talk about it. And I'm like, I feel pathetic even talking about it now because there is not much to say. If you watched that thing and, you you know, best case scenario, you have a little fun with it. But it's an hour and a half long, man. It's like uh, in the same sense that a bad stand up comedian can be like ironically funny for five minutes and you can laugh at them. If you have to sit through their entire special, it doesn't become fun anymore tedium the same thing happened in the debate you and i kept it on the tv but i think for the last 30 or 40 minutes we were just talking to each other oh it was like on in the background i was giving dave chang really great uh ideas yeah sure but so my, my only 
my only point is just that whatever having yeah. having takes is over uh standing politicians is over i don't know why anybody's doing that and i and i genuinely really don't mean that in a black-pilled way at all i think that it's much healthier if you're able to finally occupy the space of like you know what you're not in control of this as an individual if you can just ride the beam of like our world is going whatever direction it's going. Your individual vote's not going to influence this. Your hot take is not going to influence this. You are just along for the ride. Then you can be sane. The problem with somebody that's like the shut up man moment is one of the most glorious, you know, things that happened that night is like, you're not riding the beam. You still think that in some way, even Biden has influence over this. He doesn't. The world that is coming is just going to happen. Just be okay with that anybody who is like looking at certain debate moments and pointing them out and saying oh that was great or oh that was bad you're a QAnon person whether you're a lib or whether you're conservative mm. you're in that you're in exactly the same mindset i i just appreciate that you've opened up my book my my dow yeah and then have been scribbling pages furiously to get to that realization i mean that i mean that is the thing it's like you can't be a like i feel like we did we talk about it on here or just in general but like being a fan of someone in politics is insane like you that's not the role that it's supposed to be they're supposed to represent you you shouldn't be a fan of someone that's how you get in these weird zones of like i like him it's like why are you a fan of someone like who represents you well, I, under- That's ins- like- I understand how people fall into the trap because politics is spectacle and it's indistinguishable from any other form of media yeah, like sports um, or like going on Reddit or whatever. Like fandom is the only option in the minds of the people that construct this situation. But that just means that as a culture, we've lost w- the sense of what affinity is. Yeah, definitely. And that that's the part where I'm like, again, we, we talked about this with Natalie last time of like discernment, right? What was it? Discernment and taste? Discernment and judgment. Yeah. Like if you, if you can't make this, I, it's very haughty, but it's like, if you can't, you know, ascertain if you have an affinity with someone or you're just a fan, like I, I think you aren't looking that deeply inward at your own kind of mental processes. Like if someone's like, yeah, I love AOC. And you're like, okay, like I have affinities with the policies. I have no affinity with the, with the person, with the person or not. Well, yeah, I'm not like going to be like, Hey girl, love you. Like, right. I do want to buy the green new deal hat. Cause it was funny at the time when it was red hat time and you had a green one and it's like, Ooh, fun. But like, I'm not going to think about it that hard. I'm not going to also buy it. Because buying in is this weird capital thing where you're just like, I have to buy in and get the t-shirt and the sweatshirt and like be in the fan club, which which is why you get the like the MAGA hat where it's like, I'm in the fan club of, of Trump. And you're like, why are you? No, politics is private. Dinner party, baby. Uh, well, look, I don't think that politics has to be private or anything. I think that you're, you're on the right track in the sense that there is a difference between having an affinity for a politician and, like, um, I would say standing them. Because it's like, it's standing mm. is different from fandom because you're more firm, you're, you seem more ideological about it. Mm. What standing means is that you are actually just a fan, but you get this ideology that goes along with it. 
So you get to morally without thinking about you get it to that morally much. launder oh. all of your like personal crimes and guilt through this fake ideology. Ah, oh. that's what I think happens. Oh. I mean, I think that's why people, you know, will yell at a non-voter because they're laundering all of their guilt through their support for Biden as if that's coherent ideology. It isn't. Um, you don't believe in any of his positions and you don't care. You, you're whole hog in for the symbolism at this point, mm. you know, and which is fine. Like if that makes you feel better and you're self-aware about that, that's OK. I don't think there's any problem with that, because on the other side of the coin, if you are firmly ideological and you've arrived at positions like through your life experience and through analysis, you're inevitably going to end up standing politicians sometimes, too, hmm. like I did for Bernie. But it's like now. Do I have an affinity for Bernie Sanders? No. I have a recognition that his political career is more or less over and that also he's shelling for somebody I don't respect. Like, you know, I would be largely critical of him at this point. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where you like, "Eh, he's kind of got to do it. Well, the thing is, no, he, he, don't, he the doesn't thing is, have to. I, but, I mean, I don't want to get into this morass because it's just participating in, in the culture of this. But the thing is, no, he doesn't. Huh. Like, the, what you're demonstrating there with that hypothetical of he kind of has to is the trap that everybody's in when you end up being a fan of something. Yeah. No, you don't kind of have to. There was another option, which he could have just refused to campaign for Biden. I mean, I'm reading that Reaganland book. That's what Ronald Reagan did to Gerald, Fo- Gerald Ford in the 76 election. And it's a big reason that Jimmy Carter won. Ronald Reagan was sort of the conservative Bernie Sanders of that time, way farther to the right than Gerald Ford. Mm -hmm. And uh, it happened to be that Ford was actually a sitting president at the time. But Biden is a similar analog in that he was once a vice. He's a known quantity. Mm -hmm. Right. Bernie could have dropped out of the race and refused to campaign for him at all. Or just not dropped out and been like, I will I will see you all at the end. Yeah. And I mean, I think I think one thing that I can respect about Bernie's position there is that he probably genuinely feels like he has to do it because he's a type of person that feels like Trump is genuinely unique and dangerous. Yeah. But I don't agree with him on that. So I'm not a Bernie Sanders stan. I'm a Bernie Krat because of the policies that he introduced into the scenario. Mm-hmm. But that's a different thing than being a fan of the politician. Yeah. Right? So you do have the T-shirt, though. I do. And I wear it all the time because it represents in society that I'm not a liberal. I don't agree no. with you. Mm. At least in my mind, even if that's not true for other people, I don't know. It's fine with me. That's why I wear it. Because mm. I was just going to, I was trying to figure out like a way to f- uh, focus like the button wearer people. People like, you know, think of the 70s and the 90s, the button people with their like little political things when like that was in the land and in fashion yeah but also simultaneously in in the zeitgeist to be like we're active in political stuff and you're like are you i don't even know you're wearing the button it seems like you're just wearing the button because it seems like the right thing to do no i mean i mean listen when when you're trying to win a campaign whether it's for superficial reasons or because you're a true believer, you do. Ha- I think you do have to do stuff like that. You do have to wear the T-shirt and wear the button when the contest is going. Hmm. I mean, of course. I think you're thinking about this from the perspective of n- someone who's never been engaged, really, who has kept politics private. Yeah. You're pretty open about that. And so from your point of view, I get that that makes sense. But like, if you are going to be somebody that thinks there's something at stake whether it's in a primary or whether it's in a general mm. or whether it's in your city council race, yeah, you better stand while you're doing it. You have if to you're be, an activist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you're being advertisemental about it, yeah. Of course. Mm. I, 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 just don't, I just don't think it makes a lot of sense to do that in terms of this election. 
And especially after watching that debate, I don't know how you could. I mean, it just makes you look delusional. It was the debate was so embarrassing and cacophonous and just substanceless. That's the bigger thing. Oh, there yeah, was I mean, no policy. So what are you saying at this point when you support Joe Biden? He didn't say anything. He didn't say anything of value. Did anyone say, like it? That's why it's like is is thinking about all of this just like as demonstrated on Tuesday, Tuesday. Is it all just demonstrating, like, this is all a waste of time to think about? Like, this yes. is where I get in, into my own little, like, hmm, well, it's not worth thinking about. I'm not not sure not sure why this is going to be a thing for a new cycle of three days. Like, it really, I don't... Well, yes, that is that is what it demonstrated, but what it also demonstrated is that the, the polarized segments, I would say that the, like... Um, you know, crying hysterical liberals are on one end and the QAnon and MAGA people are sort of on the other end. All it did was dig them farther into where they already were, which was supreme delusion that anybody had any control of this and that there would be any substance to it at the end of the day. I mean, when Bernie—I've been talking about this on this podcast enough, I think that it's probably clear. When Bernie got axed out of that primary, I mean, that's when it was over for me. It's everybody else's problem now. The only reason I have an opinion about it here and that I'm talking about it is because I'm a loser and a dork and politics is a thing that I'm interested in in the same sense that somebody likes uh, MLS soccer or whatever. You know, I I was like I was about to be like, what the the, what? what?" (laughs) Yeah, I was just I was just trying to come up with like an obscure sport. It's like, yeah, the only reason I follow it at all is just that I have nothing better to do. If there was if Mm. I'm I'm genuinely serious about Mm. that, if there was something in my life that like was meaningful to me, I mean, politics is the area of last resort for losers like me. Right. Because it feels like there's something at stake because it's world historical. You get to fill this void of meaning by uh, following all the stats of this thing that feels like it matters. But it doesn't. Yeah. But if I you know, if I had a meaningful relationship in my life, if I had a family, I wouldn't be concerned about it. That's why most Americans don't care. Yeah, but like, what did we? Did I ask this already? What's your like mental junk food? This that's that's what I'm trying to say. Like that's your mental junk food. That yeah. Uh, ooh. Mm, mm. Yeah. Very. It's very For sure. Ooh. Empty calories of the, but not fun empty calories. It's like eating like a. Uh, mm. Well, what's, what, a, what's a terrible thing that tastes not great? He, but here's is very the thing. Fatty. There's a the, the the reason that politics is like. Um, Pringles. Politics is Pringles. Yes, but the but the reason that it's so good as a, as a mental snack food is that there are elements of it that do matter a lot, and it does connect to uh, you know world history in a way that does change things and does matter a lot. What doesn't matter is worrying about what Trump and Biden says in the debate. Mm. What doesn't matter is getting your own head tied into knots about what you should do in the voting booth. None of that matters. What matters is who wins the election. But what the debate showed everyone is you can't do anything about it. Hmm. And the difference between the two people is nothing. It's nil. It's less than nothing. Hmm. It's a difference in affect at best. Uh, it, it's an, I mean, it's probably just a difference in terms of brand preference for uh, absorbent underwear. But, you know... You know what? I know you're joking, and that was funny, but it's a difference in brand preference, and that is it. It's well, the difference yeah. between the buying the Adidas shoe or the Nike shoe. Both of them use child slave labor. 
you're going to be complicit in crimes one way or the other. So go go for it. Like whatever. You know, and also your decision to buy that pair of Adidas or not buy that pair of Adidas does not affect the Adidas Corporation one iota. No, I, you Unless know. you act in solidarity with a big group of people to withhold your power or to exercise your power, uh, it means nothing. And nobody is doing that right now. I mean, so. you, you know the, the story of Nike and Adidas, right? No. It's either Nike and Adidas or Trader Joe's and Aldi. I'm not sure. I think it's Nike and Adidas. They're basically Leave it to you to confuse a shoe with food. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Nike and Adidas, but I think it, back in the in the early days, like when they were first like, you know, cobbling shoes in the 20s or whatever. Yeah. Um there it was it's brothers, German brothers. So there was a split. Like they were like, "No, I want to do this." Oh, no, I want to do this. Wait, you're saying Nike and Adidas come from the same family? Yeah. Really? Go ahead. But there was some internal feuding, and then they split. So that's why it's like a, a deeply... I mean, all... The fucked up part is most shoe brands are like this, where it's all old old school cobbler fuckery just monopolized all the all the way down. Yeah, yeah. I would, I, you know, I guess it makes sense. I don't know why I was so surprised. I would imagine that most businesses, especially businesses of a certain age that didn't, that kind of came before venture capital. Um, I would imagine that that's almost always true. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, I mean, you can think about the barons of the late 19th century in the same way. It's not that they were all related to each other, but those were family businesses that controlled multiple business, you know, yeah. multiple industries and enterprises that were just run by the fail sons or whatever yeah and, and then they have their own internal conflicts over who gets to put the railroad through salt lake city yes. and all of a sudden now you have amtrak over here and a private one down there or uh, whatever yeah however know. many i mean think of like the private subway systems the, like there was the mta and then the other one and then the other one there were three different things and it's like you can't run a metropolis with three different lines right the fuck are you trying to do and it was the same thing with the family they're like no we want to be for running and other one's like, no, we want to do track or some 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 shit. Um, but and then at the end of the day, the forces of the market just basically make you do the same thing with slightly different branding in the end. <laughs> like, I'm going to do swooshes. I'm going to do stripes. Okay, great. Bye. Yeah. Like, who cares? Yeah. It doesn't fucking matter. Like, the swoosh wasn't even a thing until the 60s. Wow, really? It's It was late. I, I guess yeah. I didn't really... I, I didn't fully understand that Nike was that old of a company because I do know that they didn't really, they were a very minor market share until the Jordan ones. Mm. It was the, I learned this in that Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. It Nike was a small and fledgling company uh, in the sports shoe industry. I want to say it was like Converse and one other one were huge at the time. And it, Nike and the Jordan endorsement really catapulted them to a larger share. Yeah, two brothers, two sneakers, and a global battle for footwear. Mm-hmm. Oh, Adolf Adolf made Adidas, and Rudolph launched Nike. Hmm. Ooh, ooh, poor Adolf. Terrible name. Terrible name for a German. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Terrible name for a German. Did ooh. you know? You know that Hitler still has living relatives. Yeah, there's like one that have all had dead. to change yeah. their names. Oh, I think one of them kept it. No, really? I think so. Yeah, I feel like living in Germany with the last name Hitler would be illegal. Uh, probably a, a little more than seventy years ago, German brothers Adolf Dassler and Rudolf Dassler parted ways in a bitter sibling quarrel. The, fa- the business split, the family divided, and soon enough, the townsfolk migrated to opposite sides of the camp. Ooh, camp when talking about Germans. The fuck is wrong? Well, okay. they maybe they were German Jews. 
Um, Adolf went on and found Adidas older. Oh, Adidas and Puma. Okay, but same diff, you know. Whatever, some German fuckery. I don't know. Adidas Adidas's and Pumas do look the same. Yeah, they kind of do. And same shit. Their branding is all about being kind of sleek or whatever. Yeah. And too small for American feet. Yeah. Well, oh. we're fat. It's our problem. Oh, it's all it? that mac and cheese. You should know. I fit into Adidas just fine. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's these skinny little Nike fuckers. Uh, no, but it, yeah, circling back a little bit. I mean, the point you're the point you were making in the first place, as I understand it, was that yeah, I mean that's that's our political situation right now. Yeah, your vote is a vote for Puma or Adidas. It's not going to the same family. It's not anything. It's yeah. it's all going to the same place. It's it's mafia esque. It's all going to the family. <laughs> yeah. That was that was actually Vin Diesel. That wasn't. Italian. I know. Yeah. Don't. I was gonna say. <laughs> that don't was very. Ana- <laughs> don't analogize our boy Vin to organized crime. Actually, wait. That is what the Fast I, and the Furious movies are. I was gonna say. Are you what? It's kind of hard to remember that though in the context of the new ones because now they're basically just a superhero team. It's like it. It's. I forgot for a second. We're that the Dirtbag s- Avengers. We wear tank tops and uh, swishy pants. Oh I don't know God. what to tell you. They should rename it the Dirtbag Avengers. I mean that's the title of my new forthcoming short that I will fo- <laughs> <laughs> that I will uh, film on Jefferson Avenue outside of the House of Yes. I guess I am going to have to edit something. We got to pause for a second because I ran out of Jewel Pod and I'm so distracted that I can't even pay attention. Okay. So I, I'm going to go. Can you, one. Yeah. Okay. And I didn't plug in the uh, soundboard, so uh, yeah. Okay, and we're back. Um. <sighs> what. <laughs> Don't, don't look at me like that. Well, I actually, no, I want to, you know what I want to explore a little bit more now hmm. is, is I want to, ch- maybe you can help me with this because I want to try and articulate it and I'm not sure that I can. Hmm. I really, the, the only positive thing that the debate did for me was take my attitude, because I think the things that I've been saying and you've been saying over the last, whatever, half hour are pretty well in line with every other time we've talked about politics in the last few months Mm -hmm. since corona hit i feel very different about it all of a sudden what and i actually want to credit it to the debate because it doesn't feel like a black pill i'm not worried like there was something kind of freeing about finally seeing the spectacle arrive and it was just as like horrible and like belligerent as everyone imagined it would be Hmm. in fact it was worse oh worse and it finally was like oh this is what it looks like this is pathetic and honestly not so bad. <laughs> I mean on like not in a fun way just yeah. like oh if this is the horror that everyone's afraid of oh, oh I can live with that. It's also it, it, what it drills down is that none of it's worth paying attention to. Like when you have the the soundbite from CNN where this you know some some dudes going this was saying this was a dumpster a trash heap in a dumpster fire in uh, in a volcano and then the next person's like, uh, this was a shit show and they didn't bleep her because it was live. Yeah. I mean, uh, no, you know, it's, it's less about reactions to it. I don't, because I, like you said, it's not worth paying attention to. I don't care what everyone else is saying about it. What I'm trying to get at is like the personal element of it was like, you know, I don't care what MSNBC has to say. I don't care what my friends have to say. I don't care what conservatives have to say at this point because it's like the debate was like somebody spilled two pol- bowls of chili on the floor <laughs> and was trying to figure out which one was which in the stain. <laughs> like, if you are if you have, like, commentary on it, why are you talking about a spilled bowl of chili? Like, 
You know what I mean? You're just trying. the title of Ep Spilled Bowl of Chili? Yeah, like you're just looking at a Rorschach blot and like seeing what you want to see in it. And that was really freeing for me where I was like, oh, like it, this is going to sound pithy. And I, I, I genuinely hope this isn't upsetting. And I hope people can sort of just feel what I mean by this. But like it made me realize that the stakes are really low. The, I, the, I, 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 the reason that I f- go ahead in a second. The the reason that I feel like I I I just want to p- clarify that I understand why the stakes are high in people's minds because like, you know, I guess if you're an immigrant or you're a minority that feels like the world is more racist than it used to be or is more against you than it used to be, uh, I I guess I see where where you're coming from, but. I don't think, I don't know. I just don't think that's true anymore. I'm just like, oh, the stakes are an angry old man or a pathetic old man. The government's going to do the same thing in either case. It's so a, really, what's the difference? It's a lemon party any way you squeeze it. Yeah. It's it's bad. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, wait, but the, the, I understand the freeing portion of that because it is just like, oh, this is it. Well... The entire place could have lit on fire. Someone could have shot themselves. It could have actually been a lot worse. Like, it could have been that guy waddling away after he shot himself so it didn't drip on the floor. That could have happened with the two old people. Yeah, definitely. That wasn't outside the realm of possibility. An hour and a half? Someone's got to go pee-pee. Right. You know, and I, on a slightly different note, I think it's both the debate and the uh, RBG thing. Because I think oh, now that the Supreme ooh. Court is settled, it sort of stripped the liberal... it's settled. It's settled. It's a 6-3 conservative majority. Voting on Joe Biden is not going to change that. He's not going to get to appoint three justices. And in fact, one of the things of substance that was said at the debate is that he wouldn't pack the court. So that question has been settled, right? Mm. And that was one of the major reasons that I heard from other people as to why I should vote for Biden or why they wanted to. And it's like, now that that's off the table, I mean, really, you got nothing now. I mean, straight up nothing. Um, So... Without any substantive conversation about how one administration would be different from the other, which we're not going to get, by the way. It's not as if the next two debates are going to be any different than this one. Um, well, I can't wait for okay. Mike. Is Mike Pence going to call Kamala mother, though? You know, I don't... I don't think so, but... Again, because I'm a dork and I have nothing better to do, I probably will watch the vice presidential debates, but I'm not looking forward to them. They're not going to be any fun. Oh, I think that's a hard pass for me. And that's weird to say, too, in the context of everything else, right? That, like, the one that will be kind of normal... The cogent one? ...and sort of substantial it yeah. isn't interesting because those two people also don't have any influence. They're also... The only reason They are to, anti-personality. They are, both of them. They're repulsive. No, well, in, a di- uh, in a different way than Biden and Trump, but equally. I wasn't, you know, being in the negative or anything, per se, but it was just a matter of, like, ugh, none of you... You're not lighting any fires with either one. Like, I don't know. Like, no one's really, like, burning up for either side of, of that. Like, Well, I will say the only potentially interesting reason to watch it is that if Biden wins and they do the thing everyone's talking about where he uh, uh, leaves after two years or whatever and we have Kamala for ten years. But at the same time, what's the vice presidential debate going to tell you about her that you don't already know? That's the thing is none of this matters. It just doesn't. Do hmm. you think she's going to say anything you wouldn't expect or pence is going to do anything differently than what you already know it's settled it's over hmm. you know but it feels <sighs> I, yeah i, I want to return to the personal yeah. note that it feels it feels good just selfishly for me that it 
I feel free of it, weirdly. Hmm. So you've 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 cast the 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 shackles of being tied to the political realm or caring about it in in that way in the spectacle. Yeah, uh I want to follow the spectacle, but I don't care. I don't care. It's sort of like, you know, it it, sh- it should have been more obvious all along by this analogy. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like you're watching the baseball playoffs and like, you know, we're from Cleveland, so let's assume we would root for the Cleveland Indians mm-hmm. and they make it to the quarterfinals. You're still probably going to watch the World Series because you're a baseball fan. But if it's like the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Toronto Blue Jays, no you one's just watching. don't care who wins. Yeah. I mean, I also feel like that it, that is what happened with uh, basketball playoffery when everyone was in the like dome or whatever in the bubble. Yeah. Like, like beyond that, no one cared. There was just like, ooh, bubble. And then someone got sick. Like, you know, the inevitability of people like being bad happened. And that was the only thing anyone cared about. Was like, ooh, they're going to try it. Ooh, boy. Well, no, I don't know. You're not a sports fan, and yeah, you don't interact with sports fans. No, sports fans still cared about basketball, especially basketball, because they got interrupted during their playoffs. Like, they didn't miss oh. a, an entire season. Everyone wanted to see who was about to win. Got it would it. be as if they suspended the election and were like, we're holding it in March, and you had to wait. Oof. That would be horrible, right? And that's one of the things that everybody's worried about, is that because of the mail-in ballots, because of... Trump's assertion that he won't, um, you know, accept the results or whatever, that we will have this protracted fight. And that might be a whole new stage of, like, dread and anxiety. Oh, But yeah, between now and, you know, for a month, I think everyone gets to relax, kind of. Or at least I do. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, 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 I'm very self-conscious about this, and I feel a little bad or guilty about it because I... I it's totally a personal thing, guys. I don't mean to be flip. I understand that for people this is, like one of the worst times of their lives. But it really doesn't have to be. And I don't know... Like, how can you take yourself seriously after watching two old men with poo-poo in their diapers yell at each other for an hour and a half and then care? I mean, how could you? It makes you crazy. If you're out there and you're mad at me for, like, how could you deny that there's stakes to this? I mean, really think about that after what you witnessed. Be honest with yourself. You're alone. You're listening to a podcast. You're a dork and a loser just like me. Just have just be okay with it. It's fine. I'm trying to comfort Listen, you. Listen, folks, I don't want to besmirch any of our listeners like this uh, this doddering senile old man uh, over here, but uh, you're all winners in my book, baby. That was a bad Trump. Yeah. Well, um, maybe we can close it out on this if anybody's still listening because, man, I apologize for this episode, guys. We can't record two a week anymore. We don't have it in us. It was us. so hard. Um, so hard, so so sleepy. <laughs> but I guess I should say because we've never talked about it on the mic that uh, I'm I'm moving out of New York. Maybe that's what this is. Boo. About. Yeah, boo. I know. Where's my soundboard? Where's the children going? Boo, and then throwing things. Well, it it is what it is. I I made this decision uh, a while back now, and we just haven't talked about it because it's more fun to have fun. But I feel like it's worth bearing out at this point because we only have probably one episode before. Oh, that yes. happens. Um, I'm going back to Ohio, so if you live there and you have a dope apartment you want to give to me or a wife that uh, you can also gift to me uh, <sighs> or a job that you can put me in, preferably one that pays six figures and works four days a week or something like that, you know? Where do you think you're going, Dubai? No, this is not... <laughs> it's not UAE... 
West. What? No. No, I'm going. Well, that actually is a Cleveland Clinic, but anyway. I'm going back to the provinces, guys. I've decided to throw in the towel on New York. Mm. Um, It is bittersweet for me because, you know, New York's kind of the last place you go, you know? In my mind, that was always the thing. Is like, it's one of the greatest cities in the world. How do you top it? And to be returning to home feels uh, feels like a defeat. But at the same time, it's very revealing to say that it feels like returning to home because New York never became home for me. Hmm. Uh, being here for 10 years and it never really did. And I think that's where the decision comes from. Um, but that's just to say, in the end, Green and Lewis will continue. We're going to do it virtually. Um, Boo. Will's going to have to get a special microphone and Boo. he resents it. <laughs> I'm really worried that the podcast is going to stop because it's simply going to be impossible to schedule with you. I'm, I'm genuinely nervous about that. You will just have to schedule around me. The th- the thing is, when you you're going to have to be respectful of me for the first time in your life. That's why I'm rude. rude. That's why I'm rude to you on the show because I take all, I take all the material punishment of having to do this podcast for the most part, mm, as I've complained about many times. Mm-hmm. Of course, I, I also took the initial investment. I mean, come on, man. Just be grateful for once in your fucking pathetic life. No, no, I'm going to hold that in abeyance because it makes... <laughs> so what you're going to have to do is sometimes sacrifice to do the show. And I and I must insist on that because otherwise it's just going to fall apart. We're uh, both going to have to do that. Yeah. You know, it's going to be way different because we can't just, you know, pop in the door and say, are we doing this or not? Yeah. You know, it's going to have to be coordinated oh, and followed. scheduled. What? But if it's scheduled, it's a little easier. Yeah, it's a little it's a little easier, but we're gonna try to make it work, and we'll do our best. And you know what? Worst comes to worst. You know what I was I've been thinking about is that if it sucks to do it over Zoom or whatever, because I just don't like Zoom. Mm. I don't like doing Zoom calls. But Period, may- maybe yeah. we'll get used to it. I think there's two parts to it. Like on one level, I think it'll be nice because I'm not the type of person that really keeps in touch over a distance. And mm. I want to keep our friendship going. Aww. So I think Green and Lewis will be a good excuse to do that. To do a weekly check-in. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the other thing is, if it doesn't work out over Zoom, if we just decide it's too hard to schedule or we don't like doing it, hey, I'm still going to come to New York to visit. You still have to come to Ohio sometimes. Maybe Green and Lewis just becomes a, Quarterly? a limited series. I no. Don't know. Gross. You know, but that's always an option. Things, things happen. Yeah, but no. I'm not committing to that. I'm just saying that I wouldn't be uncomfortable with that. I think it would be fun. Either um, way, it would be fun. It's it's workable. And I think like what the weird part that will end up happening is that it will be slightly more exciting to have like different experiences. Yeah, for sure. You know, because it's going to be a, a matter of like, oh, what's it like over there? I mean, especially because the last last six months of doing this have been particularly tortured in some ways. Because Just because nobody's do. nobody's doing anything, yeah. so we end up talking about fucking Joe Biden most of the time. It's like I really, yeah. I'm really looking forward to not doing that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think you're right. It'll be interesting to have different experiences and like you know have a conversation about that. I think we just need to work out the technical kinks. I'm a little worried about that at first, but I'm not a complete moron. No, no, I, I'm not worried about your competence in the matter. It's just things like Zoom calls have latency. Like, you know, I, the sound oh, quality the, is yeah. going to be different. It's it's going to be like starting over on that end to some degree, huh. which will only last a couple weeks. I'm not really worried about it. And listeners, I don't think you will notice. No, um, no. But for us, it'll just be an adjustment, I think, for a time. Well, the other thing, too, is that uh, I still have, you know, 
superior access to to guest stars. Yeah, well, that's uh, you know, I don't know. This is all technical details that our listeners don't care about, but we have nothing else to talk about. So. <laughs> I'm a little worried about that because I don't know how we're going to set you up for multiple people here with good sound quality. Oh, hmm. that's going to be kind of a problem unless you get your own Zoom, which you might want to do. Honestly, I don't know. How much is that? It Money? was like three or four hundred bucks. Huh. But, but you could get you could I get, could the, get a used one. You could get a used one, or you could get a lesser version, as long as it had the same like number of inputs. You'd probably be fine. yeah. If it had, if it didn't have four, if it had two, it does uh, it, does yeah, it have that four? that would probably be fine. But if you have two people here, I mean, that rarely ever happens. But yeah, yeah, you no. could you could get the step down from this. That's like two hundred bucks, and you could have two to four inputs. Great with an attachment if it ever came to that. Oh, you know? so why not that? That's yeah, it. that's mi- easier than the weird microphone thing that I don't want to do. Well, too many holes. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, you're really resistant to the microphone for some reason, even though it's just the same microphone you have, but it has a USB input on it. Too many holes. You've, that's never been a problem in your past, ever. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's true. Women have one extra. Yeah, too confusing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we'll figure it out. It'll be good. I don't know. I mean, how are you feeling about the whole thing? Oh, I'm in deep denial that it's actually happening. Are you really? Oh, yeah. Because I haven't really been thinking about it too actively, but obviously I have to because I'm making like logistical arrangements and people ask me about it constantly. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm just curious. I don't know. Like, w- what's going on in your head? I mean, I did the thing of like, okay, so what? Okay. Well, I just start planning as one does. You just go. I'm going to move the furniture here, here, and here, and here, and here. Like, you know, I just do that because it's like, it'll be a project. Because, you know, thinking about things and feeling things is a terrible idea. Never do it. Um, So it's just like, oh, I could do this. Like, what does, like, a studio in your house look like? Could could that happen? Could that be a thing? Yeah, probably. It would be, you know, whatever. Which, you know, most people would kill for. Yeah. But mm, maybe not. Um. Oh, but no, I'm in deep denial. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, we'll see. I think I think it'll ultimately be good for you. Um, every time I think about your situation, I can only imagine it as an improvement. Mm. I mean, because I think what you and I are both in deep denial about is just the personal aspect of it. It's going to be weird. It's going to be kind of an adjustment. I mean, I've seen you every day, more or less, for yeah. a very long time. That's yeah. going to be that's going to be very different, obviously, and that's the hard thing to talk about. But like in every other way. Um, what I think is positive about it is for better or worse, like we're codependent and that's yeah. not a good thing f- for people our age. Like that shouldn't be happening. Yeah. In spite of how you feel about yeah. our personal relationship, like yeah. don't, you know, that's, that's no, not, it's, a, it's, that's not a yeah. comment about you or me. Yeah. It's just that like, it's, it's a generational thing because of our, basically all of our financial situations are so fucked up Poverty. that our teenage years exist for too long. Yes. So I'm looking forward to this in, for both of our sakes, for that reason. Like, when you talk about moving the furniture around, I'm like, that's going to be so cool for you. Such a blessing to, like, get to have your own space and do it exactly your way. You kind of do I that already. I that already. But, you know, I have my inputs here and there, and I'm like, you know, I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be good. It'll be fine. And you're going to be, dude, you're going to have your own apartment in New York. That's, yes. like, getting increasingly rare as time goes on. That is true. And, like... You know, New York's changing a lot. Like, did you see the um, article in the Times about the fiscal crisis? I mean, that's a bigger story than coronavirus or anything. Obviously, it's related, but um, New York is on a fiscal cliff. Like, oh, yeah. Much like the 1970s, I mean, 
the changes around here are going to be drastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everybody say goodbye to your subways. I'm yeah, yeah. I don't know what to no, do. No, I know. The public transportation is going to be a problem, but you have a car. You're going to have your own apartment. Like, I think you're pretty well set up for whatever kind of change happens, you know? But if it's bad, it does make the city slightly more un. un- I don't want to say unlivable, but also, like, I went into Manhattan yesterday, into Midtown, did some illegal parking, had a nice conversation, got in the car, drove down to Flatiron. Also did some illegal parking, and then only finally got a ticket when I illegally parked in Chinatown. Oh wow! So you got one ticket for illegally parking like three hell yeah, or four dude. times. Yeah, <laughs> it's because I didn't want to feed a meter because I didn't want to stick my card in for a dollar. Yeah, well that's fine. Sixty five dollars I mean, later. Hmm. Anyway, um, but like you know I because I've but you know it does do the thing of like what does it say when you're like I know it would be so much faster to take the subway, but I don't want to be gross it's gross now subway is gross now which i used to heckle julie for being like oh you don't take the subway what do you mean she's like it's disgusting i'm like oh yeah it is disgusting no it is yeah yeah well and you know coronavirus just makes that anxiety yeah worse obviously but no you're right like getting back on public transportation even for me i don't drive a car but i didn't really have to do anything but ride my bike for six months yeah yeah it sucks it's repulsive i was in chamber street and was like who took a shit well, and, like, normally you just don't notice it, but, like, because you have a mask, you're yeah. just, like, something's filtering through and I don't like it. And, like, you know, like, what's the, you know, for me, I think, I, you know, I do the thing of, like, what's the time period then? But it's also, like, I do think of pe- our elders of, like, what was their, like, exit time and it was much later. Much later. So if at like, all. If at all. Yeah. I mean, I, if you're really talking about, like, people that lived here in the 70s and 80s, um, most of them didn't leave. And if they did, it was much later in life. Yeah. You know, and they had baller places here already and stuff. I mean, if you're sort of analogizing what the baby boomer situation was, because those were the they were in their 20s and 30s in the 70s and 80s. Right. Yeah. Uh, they are they inherited New York in a similar position to what the Zoomers or the generation after them are going to will yeah. inherit. Um, you're sort of like a person that I guess would have lived here in the late 50s early 60s the Mad Men era when it was kind of booming but declining yeah that like simultaneity of like oh no Penn Station's disappearing and there's more homeless people now but it's not quite the bombed out like it's uh, not the Lower East Side in 75 downtown 88 version of New York yet yeah um and so you know but you'll you'll see that reality it'll just be different which is you know I always you know glibly said like can we go back to the 80s when it was all shitty like you know even though i'm like now i'm like oh subway disgusting like you know well nobody wants to live through the transition is my point like every urban place when it gets really downtrodden and then is so cheap that like bohemians artists and gays basically can once again swoop in and like revitalize it in a very cool subcultural way that's not going to happen for a while yeah and the transition is the part that nobody wants to see because it's the decline it's the of hard decadence part, yeah. it's the yeah. fall of the, the empire you yeah know? that's not the fun part no i mean i did the thing of like because like my news comes from google so like the google homepage, i just i just scroll and it's like you want to know stuff about video games or stupid shit and by the way here's an apartment i'm like fuck you how do you know and they're like we're listening um there's like luxury apartments for the same rent as here that are one bedrooms with washers and dryers and i went well I could be interested. Well, hey, I mean, I think you should stay open to that. But also, 
I could just collapse all of my uh, leasing of real estate into one place. Yeah, but it sounds like if the values are falling at a rapid enough rate, you could do that and get an upgrade. I know. Which is not a bad thing. That's great. It's happening around us. Yeah, for sure. Which for is sure. very... Well, because also, like, think about where we are in New York. Like, it was all a false bubble anyway. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were on the... You know, we were on the very edge of the gentrification. I mean, it's literally two blocks away. You know, down, in either direction. Yeah. yeah, in either direction, and it was closing in on this spot because we're the farthest from the subway. Mm-hmm. And then it's been put in abeyance by coronavirus, and now it will recede again. Uh huh. Um, yeah. Which will be interesting. I don't know. I mean, I I did the thing. I think I probably told you this, but like, for for all of you, um, uh, you know, what? Do, oh, how do I want to say this? That isn't for the fans of the drags. Like if you if you watch uh, Moving Parts, the Trixie Mattel documentary, when she's when uh, Kachi's on meth and is losing her mind, and Trixie's like, it was never about like doing this together until like one like we could separate and be successful separately. It's like it's a it was about like the group. Di- you know, I don't like the separation of the you know. Well, I can I can tell you this: a large. But that's also a business transaction, but whatever. A large reason for my leaving is that the sense I was getting, because you know I've been complaining about this for years at this point. A a large part of the sense that I was getting is that the group fracture was coming one way or another just because of stages of life that people are reaching. Like I think I said this on one episode. It's like hard to hang out with certain friends that are uh, in marriages, for example, because they have families to hang out with, even if they don't have children. I yeah, mean, yeah, they have so much to tend to that, like this fracture is has been happening. Yes, and so I, I realized personally that like I didn't have a place in that anymore. Hmm. Like being the third wheel for years feels bad, even if the other people are not yeah. making you feel yeah, that yeah. way. It's like that's what it is, and sometimes you're the seventh wheel or the ninth one like whatever it is you're always the odd number and at a certain point uh it's only clear to me in retrospect that's been happening to me for a while it gets wearing and and it's really wearing that like oh like it's cool to have a lot of friends but then when you realize that nobody has a particular investment in you and you don't have a particular investment in them i don't think that's true i I don't mean that as like too harsh of a judgment it's all on like a sliding scale but it's you can't maintain too many relationships and you can't maintain them with a level of quality and i only want friendships and family members that are of quality to me Mm -hmm. and since that was kind of decaying anyway for me it's just time to go um and, and you know like I think I just chafe against New York and kind of always have. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. I, I which, you know, I I always love selling the idea, but, like, I don't want to be that, like, girl who, like, moves here because of sex in the city, like, and goes and gets cupcakes or something. But do I act like that some of the times? Because I'm like, I need, my, I need my fucking noodles. Yeah. But also, I do have, like, a network that's not just the network that i came here with yeah yeah that's it true. has expanded uh, yours has expanded too but like but I've not pe- outside of the art world or anything yeah you know like i have really. people who live live here and have you know grown up here so like my experience with like them and also like the secrets that they know and stuff like like you know it's all very different where i'm like you know 
I don't know. It's it's it, I feel very differently. Like I, I said this once before. Like if I didn't have the chance to drop into the Met whenever I felt like it, which oh, fucking now, but I would feel bad because dropping into the CMA doesn't give me the same jolt. Well, you know, th- like doing these mm. little things that make you that give you joy to cut them off would be like, you know, like we talk, do we talk about it on here? Like the secret joys of like going to like fall grand. When yeah. Like, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Like all that stuff. I can always find that. Yeah. I mean, th- that's the stuff that I will obviously miss. That's all the best parts of New York, but that is also what, um, every fiction of New York sells you about it. That is good. And it is true that all of those things are good. But I think a long time ago, again, only in retrospect, um, I started to intuit that I wasn't getting a jolt out of it anymore. I still mm. enjoyed it, but it had no extra thrill of like, this is cool because here, like oh, yeah. in all honesty, when it comes to something like the Met, it got boring. Mm. Um, it was exciting to go back and see the art after six months of not being able to see it because of coronavirus to me. Mm-hmm. And I was able to have genuine experiences with it again. But uh, prior to that, it felt like just another thing that I always do. Yeah. It made me realize I have no connection to this place that I wasn't memed into having. And that makes me deeply uncomfortable. Like the number one thing in my life I don't want to be is defined by other people or especially media. And it's like everybody is like that to some extent. You'll never achieve perfection. But like part of my personal journey is that uh, I can't buy into that shit anymore. And if I'm really honest with myself, I don't really need it. Yeah. So, uh... you know. A lot of this is also probably just self self justification, you know. Well, yes, I mean, yes, uh, but I, again, I, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to like sell it because it's like mm, I don't think I ever necessarily. I don't know. Maybe I'm still buying. I don't know. I still kind of. I still. I'm like. It's one of those things. Like I still believe. Yeah, if you're still bought in, you shouldn't feel bad about that. And also, I think at this point, it's not. It's not that you've bought into anything. It's that you genuinely appreciate and sort of love it. Yeah. You're not jaded about it. That's not the same thing as having bought into a fiction. I mean, that's what the people that uh, move here from New Jersey and live here for two years and then move back to New Jersey have done is bought a fiction or whatever. You know, that's not what you're doing. That might have been the way that it started, but you have a genuine affinity for the place, back to your point. Um, And I... I do in many ways. It's mm-hmm. just that I don't I don't feel it deeply. It's okay with me that I won't have it anymore. Hmm. And maybe the thing the other thing is But you can also still get that when you come to here. Sure. And maybe I'll decide that I really miss it. Like the the idea of it feeling like a defeat is such a misnomer in a weird way because yeah. there's there's nothing definitive about this. If I want to come back or I want to move to LA or fucking Anchorage, Alaska, that's also You can open do anything, to me. yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that, I don't know, I think one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately is that if you're on the beam, as I said before, this already ended exactly as it is ending at the beginning. Hmm. I don't really think that you have um, ultimately that much agency over what happens to you in life. You do have to act as if you do, but you don't really this was always going to happen exactly this way. Uh, uh, no, I, uh, no. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, 
because think about all the forces involved, right? If you just want to reduce it to the major one, you can just major ones. You can just say my discontent for years and years, my getting jaded about art and a lot of other things, yeah. um, a job I don't love, uh, and coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, even if you just take those three right there, um, well, I had no agency in any of those decisions, really. My yeah. my tiny accumulation of many thousands and millions of decisions over time led down those three paths. There was no one decision that would have changed either, any of those things. Mm-hmm. So it was going to happen, and that's okay. And that's that's the way that life unfolds. I mean, that's the way that's the way that like uh, living in time it branches. You're not on some line, which means I can change my mind in the future. Mm-hmm. Um. So it doesn't feel bad. It shouldn't feel bad. My why? But why? it feels fraught. Well, because it should. Because it's a big decision. I, I I don't. I'm not a believer in in the cult of like uh, constant self affirmation. It's also okay to feel bad and guilty and mixed about things too, um, which I do. Um, but I think at the core. I understand that those are just necessary elements in a broader process, you know? Yeah, I don't... Uh... Well, I'll give you an... Ex- can I give you an example? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm having conversations with people about this in Ohio and in New York. Mm-hmm. And everybody in New York is like, oh, we're going to miss you. Like, aren't you sad to leave? And everyone o- in Ohio says, oh, we're so excited to have you. Aren't you excited about coming back? Mm-hmm. And the answer is both and neither. Well, so that's what I'm trying to describe here. Yeah, I mean, taken, you know? taken. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's a matter of. I, I just worry about like, the, the fatalism of all that that it would just end up the same way. I don't think that's true. I do think that like, through matters of, you know, a myriad of circumstances, like, a lot of, choosing. Did slip out of your hands to a certain extent like your hand gets forced a little bit especially with all those things where it's like job hating job and then corona shitting on the whole thing like there's a lot of things that take take the the available choices off of the table where now this is an actual choice which is like good well the thing is it's it seems like a major choice but it's on the same level but it's not an inevitability. As choosing the lime white claw instead of the other black cherry one in the fridge. You would never think about that as being a consequential decision in your life, right? Mm. And so why do we solidify certain moments into more consequential than other ones? What I'm saying is, no, that's not true. Like, a lot of tiny decisions led up to a job I didn't like, right? Yeah. Not one. A lot of uh, tiny ones. Yeah. You could say that the decision when I got the offer to take it was the decision, but it wasn't really. No. Because there was phone calls and years of freelancing and another job I didn't like and yeah. all sorts of other things that led to that place. You don't get to these points and then decide. Um, the points you get to seem like decisions in retrospect. And you get to pretend like you're making all of these consequential decisions all the time. But all you're doing is picking the green can or the purple can. The red pill or the blue pill, and oh you God. never know. I like re- I like the, red the, can. V- well, the red thing is, can versus green can versus the pills. The thing is, 
this is real life. It's not a movie. So you don't get to know whether you take the red pill or the blue pill, which one is the good one, which one's the reality, which which one's the fiction. You can construct that for yourself later in your mind, but you don't have to. And I'm trying really hard not to because what feels consequential about this is my narrativizing of it. Mm. Not my decision. But if I start to tell myself a story that this will go a certain way or that it did go a certain way, then I put the lie to everything I've just been saying. Yeah. It's an open thing, except it's not. It will just happen the way that it happens. It will seem like I'm deciding it. I never did. Huh. I've always been a fatalist, but this I've, weird Zen fatalism yeah. is very strange. I've always been a fatalist, but I but I think I've made a lot of strides in my time here, um, and over the last few years in particular, in understanding that fatalism is not a black pill. I think people get the two things confused. It's not that fatalism and nihilism are not the same thing. Well, duh. But okay, yes. But it's easy to it's easy to see how you could think that. To conflict. It's much har- It's huh. much harder to construct the mental model of um, the illusion yeah. of consciousness, of conscious decisions, uh, when that's all it is. Because in every second of your life, it doesn't feel that way. Again, visual, me- non-visual medium. I just made the hmm, all right face. I, uh, you know, like I, I do wish for you the the that it gets a little bit more, cl- a little closer to the, the joyous case, sarah, sarah, kind of like that kind of lilt. Well, everybody wants happiness. And I don't think that that's what life is about. I didn't say happy. It's a joyous. Happiness okay. is not uh, distinct. Like enjoying I, I would change. Say, I would say that from where I sit today, and this might change in the future, that back to discernment versus judgment. I'm not interested in judging my life. I neither want it to be joyous, nor happy, nor sad, nor tragic. The mistake in narrativizing your own life is that you put a tone on it. You immediately have to make a judgment about how you feel about it. Um, that's not what's going to happen in the end. Well, that well, if you do that... It- opens the regret door which is the terrible door to open yeah and I, my experience with regret has been such that it's become more important to me to stop regretting if that can happen then what Readers, happens my jaws on the ground then what happens in my life i'm yeah. not concerned that i be happy um i am concerned that i cease regretting that's incredibly useful and it's, it's a, not to judge, that's an ideal path to take. Yeah, but you don't get to decide when you figure that out. Eh, no, you figure it out later. And you actually never get to figure it out. You get about 70% of the way there, and then conditions change, and then you change again. Well, worst case scenario, you go, ooh, oopsies. But, like, look what happened in the, you know, it's that kind of thing. But again, if you slip into the thing, 
regret's a terrible window or door. Is it a door or a window? I think it's a door. You have to step through it and choose the door. Um, regret is not a, an emergency exit. But, you know, again, I feel that it would be inconsistent to say that you should try to avoid regret or never feel regret. It's just a thing that also can happen to you. And it's another thing that you can choose to do. And that's okay, too. But don't get stuck in it. Oh, yeah. In the same sense that being stuck in the pursuit of happiness, I think, is a very negative thing for most people in the end. Because it makes them selfish. Or deluded. Being stuck in regret also makes you selfish, but it makes you um, narcissistic and self-loathing. Being obsessed with happiness makes you uh, narcissistic and cruel. I don't know where the cruel comes from. Both of them turn inward. Well, in the pursuit of your own happiness, you must necessarily hurt other people to get it. Neglect, I think. Well, that's a form part. Yeah, benign neglect is one of the worst things you can do to somebody. Ooh. How dismissive is that? At least if you outright hate somebody and you get into an argument with them. You can stab them. You've done something. Yeah. Um, Ignoring someone means you really don't value them. Oh, yeah, that's worse. Yeah. Oof. So anyway, I feel like so we how should do we wrap end this up on a, here, How do yeah. we end this on a happy note? I don't know if we can, but that's the point, is you shouldn't. You don't have to. We're still broadcasting, so, you know. Um, if this has made you feel sad and slightly weepy, you should throw some dollars at the Patreon to give this uh, wonderful young man some money for his move, even though he's been hoarding wealth by being unemployed for six months. Man, well, <laughs> you know what? I, I'm, I'm never going to decline uh, extra money, but... Uh, Listeners, I know you're with me. I genuinely hope it didn't make anybody sad. That was not my intention. Oh, I don't think it was sad. Was it? I don't know. I can't tell. Bye. You asked what real change might look like. And I think it's a really, I mean, that is a really interesting question for liberals and radicals, because there is a hunger for change out there among millions of people who feel sort of insecure, uncertain about the future and do want something, do want that to change. I think that change only comes through a big imaginative idea, a sort of picture of another kind of future, which gives people a, which connects with that fearfulness in the back of people's minds and offers them a release from it that's the key thing but i think the the question for liberals and radicals is that the, they are always suspicious of big ideas that's what lurks underneath the liberal mindset and the reason is and, and they're quite right in a way is is look what happened last time when millions of people got swept up in a big idea Look at the last hundred years at what happened in Russia and then in Germany. The point is, is that change, political change is frightening. It's scary. It's thrilling because it is dynamic and it's doing something to change the world. But it is scary because it can change things in ways where nothing is secure. It's like being in an earthquake. Even the solid ground underneath you begins to move and things dissolve that you think are solid and real. And I think that the question liberals and the left have to face at the moment is a really sort of difficult question, which is, do you really want change? Do you really want it? Because if you do, 
many of them might find themselves in a very uncertain world where they might lose all sorts of things. They, I mean, what we're talking about in many cases is people who are the, sort of at the centre of society at the moment. They're not out of the margins. They would have a lot to lose from real political change because it really would change things in the structure of power. Or, and this is the brutal question, do you just want things to change a little bit? Do you just want the banks to be a little bit nicer, say? Or people to be a little more respectful of each other's identities? All of which is good. But basically, you carry on living in a nice world where you tinker with it. Those, that's the key question. <laughs> but you can't just sit there forever worrying about big ideas because there are millions of people out there who do want change. And the key thing is, they feel they've got nothing to lose. You might have lots to lose, but they feel they've got absolutely nothing to lose. But at the moment, they're being led by the right. So things won't remain the same, but society may go off in ways that you really don't want. So what you, what I think, I mean, in answer to your question, what you need is a powerful vision of the future with all its dangers. But it's also quite thrilling. It would be an escape from the staticness of the world that we have today. And to do that, you've got to engage with the giant forces of power that now run the world at the moment. You might... And the, and the key, but the key thing is, is in confronting those powers and trying to, to transform the world, you might lose a lot. This is a sort of forgotten idea, is that actually you surrender yourself up to a big idea... And in the process, you might lose something. But you'd actually gain in a bigger sense because you'd change the world for the better. And I know it sounds soppy, but sort of this is the forgotten thing about politics, is that you give up some of your individualism to something bigger than yourself. You surrender yourself, and it's a lost idea. And I think, really, in answer to your question, is you can spot real change happening when you see people from the liberal middle classes beginning to give themselves up to something, surrender themselves for something bigger than themselves. And at the moment, there is nothing like that in the liberal imagination.